What's going on, Boo Thank? It's your girl Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to Just Ghouly Things. Super long one for the super long break that we had. Oh my gosh, I know. Welcome back to Just Ghouly Things, our Boo Things. We are so excited to be back through Zoom for I don't even know what season this is at this point, but Let's all I know is it's pick up so wherever we left off, whatever yeah, the last exactly. episode was. Cause I think we started a new one and then we were going to record on a Monday and then something came up and then we couldn't get our schedules in sync until today. It's literally, it's been so crazy with, you know, your move. And then I feel like when you moved so much of my career kind of shifted at the same time, which is oh, great though. We love it. We love uh, positive changes for the both of us. Yes. Um, but yeah, we, I feel like since we, before we started recording, we kind of like caught up and I feel like we are both on solid ground for the most part. So absolutely. Definitely excited to get back into the swing of things and uh, give you guys some spooky, kooky, kooky stories. Woohoo! So Lily, tell us, how is Florida life going? How did you weather the storm this past week? So yeah, I was, I mean, I'm trying not to be insensitive when I say I was really lucky because there were people, people who I work with who like just got power back, you know, a couple days ago, like really, you know, really shitty, you know, upsetting to hear, but I was fine, you know, um, my power for the most part stayed on. It flickered at a couple, you know, once or twice, but wasn't out for more than 30 seconds at a time. I mean, really just very lucky. Um, so yeah, like all my food, you know, you do like you buy the cooler, you fill the bathtub with water, you do all of this stuff in case the water gets shut off. Um, you park your car, you know, high up, not close to a storm drain. So it doesn't float away. So like um, a lot of that shout out to our girl, Aunt Carol. Yes. We love, we love Aunt Carol. She um, sent a bunch of tips and then uh, a bunch of stuff, you know, um, like a crank radio to listen to and all of this stuff in case the power goes out because um, I don't know if anyone listening is familiar with Hurricane Andrew, but it was a super bad, it was like, you know how Sandy took like the boardwalk? It was like that, but like times two, like it was... Really, I mean, I wasn't even alive, but, you know, my mom's super into storms, so I've seen a bunch of footage of it and, of course, heard from my aunt. So, you know, she's, she's like the expert on what to do in a Floridian hurricane. Mm-hmm. She is fine. She's in Miami, but it came, so, and um, the hurricane came from the West Coast, so Aunt Carol is thriving. She might be in her jacuzzi right now, so. So, um, now, uh, I know you guys have been waiting such a long time for us to get back these spooky kooky stories. So um, we're going to get started. Uh, Lily, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I'll start. We'll change it up. We should also say that while we love reading these Reddit stories, I think that there's something to be said about reading Boothang stories, like personal accounts or stories that you've heard from friends or family. So if you or someone you know has a spooky, kooky, kooky story that you'd like for us to share on the show, email us at justcoolingthingspodcast at gmail.com. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad that we remembered that little tagline. 
Yes. So my first story is on the uh, paranormal subreddit. The username is alternative underscore bend underscore three, two, seven. And it is called old Ouija story. Mm. Okay. Friend got three of us using a Ouija board. I thought it was goofy slash fake. As it got weirder, I wondered if there might be some kind of unintentional subconscious influence happening. It started harmless, but got darker. Many spirits became threatening over time and began to admit to being the same individual. I felt I was being pranked, so I quit. Third friend, not the instigator, seemed weirdly obsessed and wanted to do it more and started doing it alone. Then one night at an outdoor party, the instigator, I love it, that's me, uh, with the you know obsessed friend, uh, got it out for a spooky laugh. There were about 10 teenage boys watching, mocking and laughing. The spirit eventually identified as the usual negative spirit and used some new names that many, many years later I saw associated online with demonic entity. The spirit got really pissed by the mocking and insulting comments slash questions, especially from one loud friend. It also mentioned other people we knew uh, were talking to it, which is confusing. The loud friend thought we were messing with him and threatened to destroy the board. The spirit directly threatened him, so he grabbed the board and broke it into pieces. There was a bizarre, now what, pause. And then the group decided we should burn the board, being the best idea for a group of drunk teens. Now this is where it gets fucking weird. At this point, most felt they were just going along with a joke, but some were getting freaked out. So we tried to burn the board. It would not light. Nope. Nope. Had to go to 7-Eleven and empty two entire containers of charcoal lighter fluid before it finally got caught. As it burned, the obsessed friend was visibly upset and mumbled that he knew how to make one anyways. I asked, what the fuck? And he said, it told me how. (gasps) I mean, we all have that one friend, but like Jesus Christ. Days later, we found out a group of kids from the same high school also were on a Ouija board that night. See? Remember? (laughs) And it also mentioned us to them, including that we had made it angry. This was before cell phones, and we were at an outdoor party, so nobody knew about the other group on a party that night. Several more days later, the loud friend who was threatened was in a serious car accident, being ejected from a pickup. He survived. Okay, good. As as far as I know, the story ends there. I was not aware of anyone using a Ouija board after that. I still have friends who were at the party but lost touch with the main people involved. We never spoke about it since. Too embarrassed. And then in the comments, somebody else mentions that they had a similar story where their Ouija board wouldn't light. So he burnt, he burnt the Ouija board, came back in, freaked out because he saw the Ouija board back on his bed. But it was actually his old Monopoly board from when he was a kid, which is I think it did. That's messed up. The demon was like, psych. This is why, children, we do not fuck with Ouija boards here at Just Lily Thing. That was Lily. Good job on that first story. Coming in hot for our return back to podcasting. I love it. We love it. We love to see it. 
my first story, coming in hot too, titled, I was almost kidnapped for a ritual sacrifice. I love that. I was born in the United States, but as a child, I grew up in Mexico. When I was younger, I used to love to play in the streets because it wasn't as violent then. We had a lot of ruins from the Spanish conquest in Mexico. There were statues of conquistadors and art in the buildings in old churches and missionaries. They're mostly abandoned, so it was obvious that it was the perfect spot for people who practice witchcraft. Mexico is known for its black magic. There are people who genuinely believe in worshiping Satan, not the atheist kind. Oh. I ran into many of these places when I'd go exploring with my friends. We would see animal carcasses burnt on top of the pentagrams. And the worst thing I saw was the skull of a child. Oh, no. It was broken, but I don't know if it was a ritual type thing. Well, I mean, I don't know what the fuck else it would have been, but okay. <laughs> But the cops didn't care. Even when I was young, I didn't believe people actually did this. Anyways, this leads back to when I was a baby. My mother told me that one day while she was preparing food for a party, she was taking care of me and she could see people in the distance staring at our home. We lived in like a village and there was about 600 people living there. Anyways, my mother didn't think much of it. Mexicans have a tendency to be nosy. My mom got tired of preparing food and she decided before she went to the party to get some rest. She proceeded to also lay me down in my crib inside of her room. This is where stuff gets creepy. My mother, while asleep, heard the door open, which she thought was my father, so my mother didn't bother to wake up. Anyways, while my mother was asleep, the kidnapper was was wrapping me in a red blanket with a rose inside. My mother heard me crying. So while she was waking up to comfort me, she said, I'm going, my baby mommy is coming. What? That is what was said supposedly. And thankfully this scared the kidnapper and they had placed me on the floor. My mother was scared shitless so much because she didn't see me in the crib. Assumed my father had gotten me. However, while she walked in the kitchen, she saw me placed on the floor wrapped in this blanket with the rose. And she said that then in that moment, she immediately grabbed me and saw that at that point, the door was wide open. She got on the front porch and started yelling to see if anybody saw anything, which in turn, nobody answered. But a couple she saw was staring at my mother with an intense look in their eyes. Fantastic. Yeah. So time passed and my mother had met a woman that she said had her child kidnapped and was found dead next to a mountain we lived by. He was wrapped in, get this, a red blanket with a rose that was stuffed in his mouth. (gasps) Ever since then, I have close encounters with kidnappings. I don't know why this happens to me, (laughs) but there's this sort of mystical theory that it's a lechuza coming to reclaim me. I still experience creepy things and two days ago, in fact, while I was parked in the parking lot, vultures had surrounded me. I still mentally struggle with this, but I am still moving on. The end. Hmm. Hmm. So this is different in the sense that this was an actual human being trying to kidnap the child, but for possible supernatural circumstances. First of all, I think what I'm stuck on is 
if I were a mother and I saw that, mm-hmm. right? Your child, like, what, bitch, what the fuck? Also, that this person touched upon the fact that they've had multiple other encounters with kidnappings. Like, that's, that's also kind of, su- like, fucking paranormal supernatural. And then recently they had the vultures surrounding them. This kind of gives me the vibe. Like, a lot of Mexicans have old old folklore or like old traditions of you know black magic and like things uh you know family curses this kind of sounds like this either this child has been passed down with this family curse of some kind if we're gonna Mm -hmm. get like crazy theories um because this person just doesn't seem to catch a break i mean thank god this person ended up surviving unfortunately you know another child passed in a similar circumstance of having the red blanket wrapped around a rose stuffed in their mouth. Like that's so scary. That's awful. It really is though. You're right. It's, it's interesting to hear something that could have been an incredibly paranormal story, but had like the happy ending of not being so, but to me, it's still fucking paranormal because I'm, I'm just saying this person definitely has like an aura of a chaotic, death scary spooky and insane event aura well thank god the mom kind of woke up and was like i'm i'm going my baby mommy's coming like she was you know saying it out loud even if she was half asleep because then the kidnapper was like oh shit yes up. i'm not gonna get my ass beat for stealing this person's child and then that's the maternal instinct yeah yeah i mean it was kind of hard to read through this just because this person seems that their first language isn't english so there's kind of run-on sentences but looking back at that i realized that was really what saved the child as the mother being like you know where you know i'm coming for you don't worry i'll be right there and not you know not realizing the baby wasn't next to her yeah just hearing the child and then the kidnappers were like oh shit let's just cut our losses and go I wonder if since it happened so young and the person clearly was practicing, like looking to practice black magic and probably had before, Mm -hmm. if that's why these things have stuck with the author, you know what I mean? Yeah. You never, you never know. Like the, like if that's somehow how they wound up with this, I don't want to say curse, but this, um, shitty luck. Like these bad things happening. The, like the bad omens, like you said, like the vault, like all that stuff. Like if that comes from this happening to them at such a young age. I would be curious to see if any of our blue things have quote unquote like family curses or if they believe that they're cursed. If they have yes. Family. If you guys have that, either DM us or you can email us at justbullythingspodcast.gmail.com. All right, Lily, what is your second story? This one, this one is something. It's from the ghost subreddit. Um, your mom's milkman posted it. Okay. It says a super interesting and perplexing situation involving a grape. A grape. That draws you in, doesn't it? I need to know more about this grape. Please tell me more. Okay, so a little background before I get into detail about what happened. I am a very science-based person. If something happens that confuses me or someone else, I do my best to use science to explain that phenomenon, and it hasn't failed me yet, other than questions about physics that just haven't been answered yet, and the best you can do is form a theory. Okay, loving this. 
So last night when I couldn't use science to figure out how an item moved the way it did, I reached, sorry, I reached a block and have no further explanation other than it was either a glitch in the matrix, as some people like to call it, so, or, or a spirit. So with that in mind, I hope you read this with an open mind. Last night, my roommate and I were in the kitchen of our house. Housing is on my college campus. And I was eating grapes and had the amazing idea to try to make a raisin out of it. And I put it on top of a box at the center of our kitchen table. Yes, I am aware that it wouldn't turn into a grape that way. It was just because it seemed too stupid. Anyways, I was... I was continuing to cut up food for my dinner and my roommate was sitting in one of the chairs nobody, and nobody else was in the house and no music was playing. Out of the corner of my eye, the grape just moved pretty close to the edge of the table and didn't roll off. The grape didn't slightly roll off the box and then continue to roll to the edge. No, it had a little bit of air and once it hit the table, it was still and didn't continue to roll. It was as if someone had walked by and was like, I'm going to move this grape because why not? (laughs) Usually, if something like that were to happen, the noise would be made by someone hitting the table, which would mean that because someone hit the table, the grape would move. And but that's the thing. Nobody hit the table. And I think that's also why they mentioned there was no music playing because the vibrations could you know, since the grape is so lightweight, it can move it and then it could jump up and down and then you do the thing like the water on the speaker, whatever. Another thing to mention is that it wasn't just me who was confused. When I saw the grape move, I was silent for about five to seven seconds and then looked at my roommate to see if he saw anything or if I was crazy. And that's the thing. He was already looking at me to figure out if I had seen what he saw. Mm. At this point, we have a grape moving on its own, getting a little bit of air, and was, moving to, and was moving through the air pretty fast, fast enough to the point that it had to have been almost flicked from behind or picked up with a hand and then placed back down. Nobody had moved or hit the table because it was just my roommate and I, and there was no sound of something hitting the table. So now my roommate and I, being the scientific people we are, decided to not only take pictures of where the, I'm loving this, of where the grape was and where it landed, but we tried to recreate the experiment. Dude, I'd love to live with like physicists. Yeah. And have that be our Wednesday night. Right? Like, Professor, my paper's going to be late. I had a grape situation. Hear me out. Hear me out. Projectile grapes. <laughs> this has potential. <laughs> um, okay. uh, so, yeah, taking pictures of where the grape was and where it landed, but we tried to recreate the experiment. After making a border of where the grape exactly landed, we decided to put the grape back on the box and bump into the table as if someone were to hit the table just in case we actually did hit it, but we just didn't realize. What we found was that no matter how hard we would bump or hit the table, this grape would either just wobble on the box or if it did manage to roll, would only slowly roll off the box and it wouldn't go far at all. We tried blowing on the grape to see if maybe the air conditioner would have done something. We didn't think so but we are trying to rule every possible scenario out this is very um like uh grant and jason on ghost hunters like they really will just 
This is giving me Dig this deep. is giving me Ghost Hunters slash Mythbusters crossover vibe. <gasps> Rebecca, strong call from Rebecca. Look at Ms. Ruber. Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> after countless efforts, we reached the conclusion that we had no idea what had moved it, and we began to bring a little spirituality into the mix. Once everything was ruled out, either because the grape was moving too fast, it was in the air for too long, and somehow had a little bit of airtime, we decided to try and act like a, quote, spirit. As one person sat in the chair, the other walked by and moved the grape similar to how it looked to us. We found that this was the only scenario that allowed the grape to move the way it did. My roommate was and is pretty convinced that the only explanation we have is that it was some sort of spirit. As much as I would like to grab onto that concept, I tried to bring a little more science to it, into the mix, by thinking about separate timelines crossing, ooh, crossing where my roommate did in fact move the grape and somehow our timelines crossed and so on. But the scenario has some problems and whatnot and are a little confusing. Which, by the way, I have heard about this. I've heard a couple of scientists backing, like, the multiverse theory, saying, like, there could easily be... I don't remember who it was, um, so I'm not going to give any of my ideas because then I could get in trouble. But it was a couple of people who were very smart saying, like, yeah, I mean, there could easily be multiple realities. Of course. I can't see why not. I feel like there have been so many situations where there's like a glitch in the matrix and you're like, yes. And we've had, we did an episode on it too. So like, you're welcome. Yeah. Supporting the scientists. They wouldn't be able to prove their points without us. You're welcome. Neil deGrasse Tyson. You're welcome. A cool idea I had was maybe it was future us. And we somehow were able to travel back in time and move the grape. Like what happened in interstellar when they thought they were communicating with aliens, but it was them the entire time. Sorry for the spoiler. (laughs) Traveling back in time, as some know, has a lot of problems and seems much less probable than traveling forward. But if you factor in the multiverse theory, then it gets a little more promising. But again, there are more problems that come with that than thinking it was just a spirit. While one is more scientific, the other seems more reasonable. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. By now, I hope you have a pretty good understanding of what happened, and I hope some people would give their input and ideas as to what happened, because nobody can be right or wrong, but some theories may be better than others at explaining this phenomenon. I also included some pictures so you can get a better idea of what we are talking about. Um, So here is the infamous grape, Rebecca, I'll show you. Um, If you can see, there's the grape right there. I'm guessing the box might have been this tinfoil box. I don't know. Um, But yeah, there's, or maybe it's so we can post on Instagram. Yeah, that's a good point. So I like to refer to Grant from Ghost Hunters when he said that 75% of paranormal activity can be explained by science. But then there's another 25% that is not normal so it's paranormal i remember yes that's kind of like the vibes that i'm getting from the story is that you've tried a bunch of different theories you've experimented a couple times and any logical current situation like 
anything you could possibly think of is the options are exhausted. It's just not coming out the way that this situation happened. And so you have to think mm-hmm. like, is it paranormal? I really like the theory of like, you know, their timelines could have gotten crisscross applesauce and like, that's what mm-hmm. happened. Like there's, <laughs> there's so many s- scenarios. Not crisscross applesauce. <laughs> Back to our childhoods. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I also think it's interesting because a lot of people will kind of get caught in the box of what paranormal is as well. You know, you have the people who are like, was it a spirit? Was it a topa? Was it, you know, a, a water baby or a melon head? Like what, what was it? And there is that kind of line of, you know, like, and then there's like, they think, okay, science, science can explain it. It was the wind. There wasn't, you know, tectonic plates shifted or whatever. And then there's that kind of median, like the author of this post referred to of multiverse, which to me is kind of like the best of both worlds. Yeah. It's like hand in hand. No pun intended, but it's definitely right. It is still the unknown. It is still kind of gets your brain going. And what is it? Because it's still not a standard explanation. It's not our normal. Yeah, exactly. So that's, um, so that was interesting seeing kind of that third perspective, you know, it's not always so black and white, which I really like. So my second story is from Reddit user MacQdor12. And the title of this Reddit encounter is titled Poster Fire the Bothell Hell House. Spring 2014. Not that many poltergeist survivors can say they witnessed seeing a poltergeist flee the scene of the crime. By crime, I mean arson. Yep, coming in hot, quite literally with an arson case. One of the most horrifying events I faced while living in the Bothell home was the day the poster caught fire in my office. Recap. Tina and I had witnessed a lot of activity in the week leading up to the poster catching fire. I'm talking about bar stools being thrown, our bedroom light was going off and turned back on by itself in the middle of our sleeping, loud bags, loud footsteps, door slams, and yes, one Bible catching fire. All Hmm. of that happened within a week of the story I'm about to tell. The advice given to us by friends and family was to to smudge the house. The internet said the same thing. Smudging lessens the activity. Let me tell you, smudging never lessened this activity. Not in our house, at least. It made it worse. This story is proof of that. The night before the poster caught fire, I asked Tina if she would feel comfortable smudging the house. Tina is an excellent smudge person. Today, <laughs> and this episode is smudge, by the way, because I, I was about to say smudge more in my life than just now. Could you imagine Tina is an excellent smudge person? If I heard that out of context, I'd be like, hey, be nice. I love the way you smudge that. It's really hot. <laughs> anyway, um, so um, <laughs> she's an excellent smudge, smudger, whatever. Tina's more thorough than me. She smudges every nook and cranny. Okay, this is like definitely written like this on purpose. Goodbye. Um, the next day, we woke up and got ourselves ready for work. Nothing unusual about that morning, except the house was still smelling like burnt sage which I thought was good. Your house should smell like sage if you smudge the night before. I later found out that smudging before going to bed is dangerous. I compare smudging before going to bed to kicking open a fire ant bed before having a picnic. Oops. (laughs) Tina and I got up that morning and did what we always do. We got ready for work. 
The feeling of being watched had lessened. 30 odd minutes later of us waking up, Tina walked up to me, kisses me goodbye. Now it's just me in the house. The only thing on my mind right now is beating Seattle traffic. I got out of the house and got ready and got to work. A few minutes after I stepped into the shower, it happened. The devil had arrived. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, making its grand appearance. Um, Every fire alarm in the house starts going off. I'm standing in the doorway of my bathroom, half dried off, thinking, oh shit, it is happening. I knew right then and there something was up. I did not know what specifically, not yet anyway. Something is up though, and it is not good. I remember running through the master bedroom and reaching our bedroom doorway. And that is when I saw it. I feel a large mass run right by me. I cannot see what ran past me. I can only feel it. It was huge, taller than me, and wider than me. Hmm. All I could hear besides the fire alarms going off was this loud stomping sound. My eyes and ears turned towards the direction of the stomping noise and followed it downstairs suddenly. The front door of the house opens wide and slams shut. (gasps) That is it. The door just opens wide on its own and then slams shut. That is when my brain says, give chase, Keith, give chase. I am thinking, give chase to what? I still have not determined if someone was in the house. I have not seen anything. The door just opened and closed on its own. What am I chasing? Now, Uh, Bitch, still get out of the house. That's what you're supposed to fucking do. Sidebar, I think that it is scarier to sense something than not than being able to see something. Like not seeing something, but feeling something is there is 10 times more horrifying than actually seeing what you're sensing. You know what? I agree. And I think it goes back to that kind of fear of the unknown. Like if you send, if you send something and you turn around, you see something like, okay, I know I'm dealing with Darth fucking mall in the middle of the night being in my bedroom and standing at the foot of my bed. But if you send something, it's okay. Is something going to jump out at me? Is this a, you know, I send something here. Is it my grandma's spirit or whatever? Like, I just don't know. It's yeah. A glass case of emotion. So good call on that one. That's absolutely true. So I do what my brain says. I run down the stairs and reach the front door. I should be able to get a good glimpse of the intruder as he's leaving the house. I throw my hand on the front door knob and nothing happens. The front door does not open. Correction. The front door does not budge. Not even a centimeter. I must have fought with the doorknob for about two seconds before realizing that I had a fire to deal with. Smoke is billowing from my office upstairs. I run to my office and there it is, ladies and gentlemen. There is the fire. The behind my computer desk is on fire. The poster specifically. How many seconds have transpired between the fire alarm going off and where I'm standing now? Hmm, probably 30 seconds. The first thing I do is kill the fire um, by tossing my damp towel over it. The fire did not put up a fight. It was gone immediately. Okay. Which is good. I turn and run downstairs again. The house is filled with smoke. I get to the front door and try to open the front door again. Nothing. The door will not budge. This is the same door I saw open less than a minute ago. The doorway felt as if it had been welded shut. The fire alarms are still wailing in the background. I can taste the chemicals from my burnt poster in my mouth and nostrils. And that is when it dawned on me. The house is not under attack. I am. Oh, fantastic. Think carefully about Keith. The next few decisions could be your last. What are you going to do? This is what this is what this writer is saying to himself. I was in shock at this stage because I remember the events vaguely at this point. Suddenly I'm on the phone with the 911 operator. I'm screaming to her that my house is on fire. 
She's maintaining her level of professionalism, asking me in a calm voice, what's my address? Every time I utter my address through the phone, enormous amounts of static break out. I'm talking about loud electrical interference. We go through this, I can't hear you, can you repeat your address routine for about 30 seconds, which in this point, I feel like 30 seconds could probably feel like forever. And so- It, it feels like, like 10 minutes. Yeah. Finally, she gets my address and in doing so, lets me know that the fire department is on its way. I hang up and call Tina. Thank God she answers. Tina can hear the fire alarm screaming through the phone. I blurt out to her to come back home, come back home, the house is under attack, and I hang up. The front door, for reasons I cannot explain, finally opens. It opens within seconds of the fire department arriving. How ironic. The firemen <laughs> dart in and at my urging proceed to go up towards the office. They said I did a good job putting the poster fire out. Tina runs into the house the minute after they arrived and grabs me. I was half naked and shaking like a leaf because all I could remember was Tina throwing blankets over me. I'm shivering and shaking like a wet puppy. Aww. Oh my goodness. I am not afraid to admit that I was crying and quivering like a baby. You would have <laughs> thought somebody had doused me in a tub of ice water, cubes and all. That oh. is how cold I was. Oh. The fire department could never could determine what happened and what caused the fire. But Tina and I knew. This is the second fire incident we had experienced. No, there will be two more fire incidences in that house in the coming weeks. When the fire department left, all Tina and I had now was each other. The demons who did this are all still there. They're snickering at us. Whatever ran past me in the upstairs hallway had to have been the ringleader. I'll always remember what I felt as it ran past me. Evil, diabolical evil, the end. Well, holy shit, that's, I never really know what to say after some stories, and I'm really at a loss for words today for most of them because I'm so rusty on this, but. Yeah, I feel like. I can't imagine, I mean, I think the scariest part of the story, like you said, was the part where they're sensing something, but don't know what it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you're right. You ever, like, I've, like, heard weird noises or felt a weird gust of wind. And then you realize, like, oh, there's a gap in between my door and the wall. Yeah. Right? And then you're, like, settled. But, wow, wow. Imagine, how shitty would it be if they, like, just bought that house, too? Did they? Did they say? Mm-mm, they didn't say uh, anything. Could you imagine? It's like The Conjuring. And at that point, when you put so much money into something like that, like people think, oh, just leave. It's not as easy for some people to do that. Well, and when you think about, oh, just leave, like, oh, you mean hire a realtor? Oh, you mean get a storage unit for all of my extra stuff during the move? Oh, you mean pay for someone to stage the house? Oh, no, wait, you're talking about hiring movers to move my things from one house to the other. Yeah, I'll just leave. It's not trading in a Nissan, people. I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie, though. Maybe the Red Roof Inn down the block has a couple of openings and you can stay there until it gets sorted out. But still, like, in all seriousness, I can't. And I would be in, I don't know about you, if that should, imagine, Rebecca, your place suddenly combusts, right? There's spontaneous combustion. All this weird shit happens. Would you be in any frame of mind to now start the moving process? No! And I tell you what, I'd look for a different realtor, too. Facts. So anyways, that's, that's my two cents. 
I couldn't imagine that. That's the good thing about renting is you could be like, oh no, this weird thing happened. And then you call the leasing office. You're like, can you fix this? I don't want to. Yeah. Or terminate. Yes. 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 All right, Lily. What is your last story for today? My last story is what is by um, SP5615. This is actually from a year ago, but it says, so what do you think? Was it the house or is my family just sensitive to these kinds of experiences? I'll describe some of the events me and my family experienced at my childhood home. The first thing you should know is that it wasn't old. It was built in 1952. My family bought it in 1962 and were the third owners. It started out with smaller things. My older brother would occasionally be asleep in his room in the back of the house. It was always cold in that room. Someone would whisper in his ear. He would open his eyes and look around, but nobody would be there. He would also experience tugging of his sheets at night. Mm -mm. That's scary. There were the constant footsteps on our staircase at night. This was the most obvious and consistent of the happenings. When I was between four and five, I would wake up to see a dark figure standing in my doorway. A couple of times I got out of bed and walked towards it thinking it was my dad. Uh, It would disappear when I would get within a few feet of it. My bed was placed against the wall in my bedroom and twice a black hand would come between the bed and the wall and tickle me, then grab my side. Bitch, take out a loan and move immediately. In my parents' room, the table lamp would be heard clicking on. The switch was loud when no one was at the end of the house and the light would be on. Oh, when no one was at that end of the house and the light would already be on. My parents never really talked about any of this, but one night my dad came in from the garbage, visibly shaken. He told my mom something had grabbed his ear and pulled on it hard. Shortly after my grandfather passed away, my mother was woken up by him standing at the foot of the bed telling her, quote, look at what they did to my legs, but they couldn't keep me in that box. What What box? What? Yep. A casket, probably. When my uncle died, my mother swore that she saw him come in the front door. She went from the kitchen to the living room to see what he wanted, but he wasn't there. A couple of hours later, we found out that at that time, my mom had seen him. He was killed in a trucking accident 100 miles away. We also had experiences at that house after my brother passed away with doors opening and things being moved. We also had experiences at that house after my brother passed away with doors opening and things being moved. Even though I've moved quite a few years ago, I still have some strange experiences from time to time, but not like my childhood home. So what do you think? Was it the house or is my family just sensitive to these kinds of experiences? This kind of gives me that going back to the first story of possibly having family curses or like yes, the, the fact that families could be sensitive, like genetically, like just through time, like there were grandmothers that were psychics and then the mother gets it and then the child becomes uh-huh. psychic. And 
So that kind of gives me like this whole family has a little something going on. It has to be. And I also want to say, I feel like it might also be just like the worst of both worlds that they wound up in this house. Because think about it. Built, the house was built in 52. They moved in in 62 and they were the third owners already. It has maybe maybe there's something to do with the property too. Like it's exactly that there was something going on on the property. Did it say where exactly this took place? Um, I don't think so. I know they said there was a hundred miles away in Bakersfield, but I know there's a few places named Bakersfield. So childhood home. Yeah, they don't say anything about it. I'm like Native American burial. Maybe I feel like there's a Bakersfield, Illinois. That sounds right. Right. There's definitely a few in North America, which was all native land. So you never know, you know, where on the native land. Um, in California, anything lies. But anyways, the, the, what I also want to say about this is like you said, like with the family curse, of course, then this family wound up at a haunted on haunted property. Mm-hmm. Like they had the misfortune and now it's staying with them. So and also, clearly, there were quite a few generations there. I know somebody commented, like, that is a pretty old house, and you've had multiple generations there. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a vicious cycle at this point. Yeah. Which kind of, you know, blows chunks. But I couldn't imagine, honestly, where I think any family would draw the line was their child being grabbed in the middle of the night from a hand, like, under the bed. Like, I don't care. That's why I said, like, I don't care how expensive moving is. Figure it out. Get your kid out of there. That's right out of a horror film. Yeah. Blumhouse. Attention. You think about stuff like that and you're like, that sounds straight out of a horror film. Like, is that even real? But then you have to think that, like, a lot of things that are in movies or, or, or in books they're inspired by somewhat of a true event. Like mm-hmm. you just don't come up with that stuff. Like there is something, there's some inspiration behind that. So like, yeah, this isn't too far-fetched of a story. I think, I think you agree. And there's honestly kind of touching upon what you said about like everything is rooted in something. I remember um, my first month in college when I, before I dropped my psychology class, one of the interesting things the professor talked about was, um, you know, they say like life imitates art. And he said, you know, more things than you think are rooted in reality. he said, think of fantasy novels, like they're following patterns of the author's life. Sometimes they might not even realize it. Yeah. So that's definitely, that's definitely a possibility. Also, I think it's interesting. Do you find it interesting? Because this is one of the things I liked about this story. It seems to show a little bit of all the different types of haunting, like a residual haunting, just going up and down the stairs, not bothering anybody. Maybe someone fell down or up the stairs and died, and that's why that's what that is, right? And that's why they've had three owners in 10 years. Things like that. I, I just feel like... In some way, maybe it is. I feel like it has to be on some kind of haunted property because it feels almost like the haunted mansion where there's all these different types of spirits. Like, would there be one spirit just doing all this different shit? Or is there like a malicious one coming after the little girl to scare her? And is there a residual one just going up and down the stairs? Like, what is is happening here? This last story that I'm going to tell you is 
from the previous Reddit user that I read about. Okay. This is MacHugh 12. And this happened back in 2014, um, around the same time that this poster caught fire. I'm not this sure. This poor if, dude. I'm not sure if this was before the fire or after the fire, because he did say he had a few paranormal experiences after that poster fire. Okay. Um, but this is titled The Missing Cross My Cousin Gave Me. I will always remember the events of this day. It was the weekend that Captain America, the Winter Soldier movie came out in the United <laughs> States. <laughs> That's such a dude thing. Yeah. April of 2014. A month before this movie came out, my cousin flew down from Dallas, Texas and stayed with me and my girlfriend up near Seattle, Washington, a small town called Bothell. My cousin had been aware of our ghosts, sort of speak, meaning she knew just enough to still want to come. To be safe, she bought a cross with a brought a cross with her as a gift for me and my girlfriend. She first spoke about maintaining one's strength and one's faith during troubling times. My girlfriend and I had been having strong poltergeist-like activity, so reading something was extremely helpful. When my cousin arrived, she handed me the cross. We prayed over it and placed it in our bedroom. That's where my cousin said it would protect us to keep it above your bed in your bedroom. A month later, the cross went missing. Understand missing objects, religious objects especially, is not a new phenomenon in our house. Things get taken all the time. Sometimes they return, sometimes they don't. The items that do return are never found in their original spot. This cross would be no exception. The question my girlfriend and I ask ourselves when an item such as this goes missing is what the heck is going on? I mean, we're talking about a sizable cross here. Six inches long, four inches oh. wide. It's not something you can just misplace. How I was literally picturing like a little knickknack trinket. No, this thing is this is this thing's a good size. Okay. So we nailed it high above our bed on the wall, and now it's gone. No use looking for it, I guess. Only two people are living in the house. My girlfriend and I fast forward to the premiere of the Captain America movie. It's a Saturday morning. The cross has been missing at this point for over a week. I began doing my laundry earlier that day earlier than usual. I figured it's best to get my chores done if I'm going to go to the movies later on. I'm excited. I'm going to see a Marvel movie with one of my best friends. <laughs> no, just living the life, right? I love that this is a normal dude too. Yeah, like this guy is like Marvel nerd, like just really geeked out about going to this Captain America movie. You know, like, he's in like oh. the Captain America t-shirt too with the fucking shield on it. Oh, you know, he bought these tickets in advance. He's like, mm -hmm. um, I'm excited. I'm going to see this movie. Let me get this laundry done ASAP. I began my first load of laundry, colored, uh, colored clothing. My girlfriend, Tina, is walking around the house doing her own thing. I decided to go to my office and watch TV and wait for my clothes to wash. About an hour later, I noticed something peculiar. My first load of clothing was still washing. Now, I know there are long wash cycles, but this one was weird. My brain knows how long it takes for my clothes to wash. I'm sure I didn't set the washing machine to the long wash cycle. It's taken exceptionally long this time. That was what was unusual. Hmm. I glanced toward the washroom, hoping to hear the beep. You know the noise the washing machine makes when it's done. So I glance at the washroom and look at the clock on my computer. I think, what's taking my clothes so long to wash? Mm -hmm. A few minutes later, I hear this knocking sound. You know, the sound of the washing machine or dryer mm -hmm. makes when something big is inside, like a shoe or something. Mm -hmm. The noise I'm hearing is coming from the washing machine. And once again, I'm glancing up at my PC and looking at the washroom. What could be making that noise? At this point, the wash cycle had been running for nearly an hour. <gasps> I think I know what's going to happen. 
far too long for what I for what I had put inside. Normally, I would get up and see what the commotion was about, but I didn't this time. I just kept watching TV. Finally, the washing machine beeps, informing me that the load was complete. Time to remove the clothing. I'm passive as passive can be, no hurry whatsoever, as I was pulling out my clothes and tossing them into the dryer. I immediately grabbed hold of something solid. Not clothing, not shoes, not anything except a metallic wooden cross. I didn't know what it was until I pulled it out of the washing machine. I knew it! There in my hand, in two pieces, is the cross my cousin gave me. Some might say, well, maybe the cross was in there to begin with. Not so. As I mentioned prior, the wood, this would have been heard early on the thumping noise. Like as soon as he put it in and hit go, you could have, you would have heard the yeah, 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 yeah. banging in the washing machine. The knocking noises I heard began 15 minutes before the washing was complete. Secondly, the washing machine was empty when I used it. Some might say, maybe you accidentally put the cross in the machine when you loaded the clothes. Wrong again. I sorted my clothing carefully, meaning items went into the machine almost one at a time. Across mm. the size was not going to be grabbed by mistake. Even if it were, I would have heard the bumping noise way sooner than I had. Maybe your girlfriend put it in my, my mistake, some people would say. My girlfriend was nowhere near the washing machine that day, and I never left my office. The washroom sits right outside my office. She wouldn't stop my wash load regardless. I do my laundry. She does her laundry. It's important. Oh, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) It's important that I get those particulars out of the way for fear of people gravitating towards the obvious explanation. And that is understandable. Now, allow me to paint the picture as near perfect as possible because it even hasn't begun to get weird yet. In my hand is the cross my cousin gave me. It took a beating in the washing machine. It's broken up now. I then pull my girlfriend to the room. We both examine the cross from top to bottom. Here it is again after being gone for a week. This cross would disappear and be thrown a few more times before finally being left alone. And so I have a picture of the cross. I'll put that as a part of our announcement of this new episode so you guys can see the cross um, and how it was destroyed from the washing machine. Wow. That's... At first, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. At first I was thinking, honestly, sleepwalking. I was like, if I'm like, you know, you're doing laundry, which is such like, you get into such a rhythm with that, you know, like you take, you know, like you go, you open up the washer, like you don't, nobody inspects their washing machine before they load it. Yeah. So my first thought was, you know, okay. Like, at one point, and I know they must have done laundry, might have done laundry before, but you know, you never know when the night was that they put the cross in because people honestly, like you don't need to have a sleep disorder to sleepwalk. Sometimes you drink too much and you are awake, but you're not because you're drunk and you just do weird shit, right? Like you never know. Um, but like he said, it started in the middle of the load. So then how would you explain? Because that just like scientifically that that wouldn't happen. That's the only thing that I could think of, which would be plausible, but if the cross is in there from the beginning, it's in there till the end too. So that makes no sense. But this person also noted they put one thing at a time. They purposely separate their colors from their whites. So yeah. like they had to make sure that they weren't cross-contaminating anything. And I feel like if you look at this picture of the cross, it's a pretty thick cross. Like yeah. you would feel like where there was 
something there. Like if you like grab on pants and you feel like your AirPods or your phone or something in a pocket and you can. Oh yeah. No, you'd feel like a six inch cross, t- you know, tied into your Hanes undershirt. Like you would feel that. Yeah. I was thinking like if it's, if it's metallic and it's in the bottom of the washer and you, yeah, you load them in one by one, but you know, you're not inspect like you know what I mean if you're just standing like you're looking more at your hands probably than the washing machine that's like and but even that is a stretch to not notice it so that that I got I got nothing on we should hire our that physicist friend from the grape story come in do a give it a a walk around yeah and I find it interesting that this person was the same person that had that poster fire had that experience that feeling of evil so definitely if this is if this is an evil spirit messing with a religious piece that's supposed to protect their mm-hmm. household, shows that they have the ability to destroy this religious, this religious symbol to protect. Exactly. Now, on that note, that concludes this episode of Just Ghoulie Things. Thank you guys so much for, you know, staying by us and constantly checking in with us and asking, yes. when are we recording again? Like, don't think we forgot about you guys. Life happens. And yeah. I mean, I feel like it's important to remind you guys, like for us, this is a hobby that, you know, Lily and I do Mm -hmm. as best friends that like, we just love recording just bully things and reading these stories and getting ourselves spooked out. I really missed recording. Like I did feel like there is that little bit of like a missing piece, not looking forward to this. Like, yeah, I always love taking time to catch up with you through Zoom and then like mm-hmm. hear your stories because we don't know, like we know the titles of our stories so that we don't get the same ones. Yeah. We don't read each other's stories until it's read live on Zoom. So I miss that a lot. And I felt like this was the perfect time um, for both of us to kind mm-hmm. of get back into the swing of things. And yeah. yeah, I agree, especially now having like I have a regular schedule, which is good because I feel like. Rebecca, while you do have a regular schedule, you also have a very full schedule. Yeah. So, and that's why, like, also within the last year, like, when I was very sick and everything, which I don't know if I ever really explained to the Boothangs, and, like, it's really, you know, it's nothing interesting, but that was another reason things kind of did slow down was because of my after-work doctor's appointments. And, I mean, you were there, like, you saw it in action and everything, and so I feel like with this now, like knowing I will be able to record this day of the week, like do what you got to do. If we can reschedule, we can always try, but I have a, like, you know, I know what I'm going to be doing next Wednesday and Thursday and Sunday. Like, Amazing. you know what I mean? So I feel like that's good. And I also missed it. You know, it is, it does get, it has gotten kind of lonely down here. I'm not going to lie. And I did miss having, you know, I don't miss, um, I do not miss the drive to Rebecca's house and all the crazy traffic I'd fucking see. But no, I missed, I also missed just obviously the catching up. And I think another thing that people don't really realize that's fun for us is it's kind of like sleepover activities still now. Like it has, for me at least, I was explaining this to my friend, like it's big sleepover energy. Yeah. Right. Reading the scary stories to tell in the dark books and light as a feather, stiff as a board bullshit. Like to, to me, like that's the energy it gives. And, you know, even though I'm not there in person and it's not the same mm-hmm. over Zoom, obviously, I'm not sitting next to you clutching onto your arm when a story goes bananas. But 
it is, it works. It's something to go off of. And so I'm very happy that we're back too. We make it work. We always do. We always find a way. Yeah. Not doing this is not an option. Yes. The show must go on. The show must go on. Perform every night, not like it's closing night, but like it's opening night. Give it the energy of opening night. Well, on that note, let's shout out our socials. It's been a while, so let's see how this goes. You ready? Yes. Follow us on Instagram at Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter. JGT Podcast. Facebook like page. Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Just Ghoulie Things Podcast group. Donate to that Patreon. Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience they'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at justghoulithingspodcast at gmail.com. All right, Boo Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you, Boo, next week. <laughs> Goodbye.